Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited for this week's interview. This week's guest is Dr. Uma Naidu. She is the Director of Nutritional and Lifestyle Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital. She is a professor at Harvard Medical School, and she's also the head of the first nutritional psychiatry service in the United States. She also has this phenomenal book called Your Brain on Food, which you can find in the show notes today. So her treatment approach is looking at its strengthening the microbiome, which she'll dive all into in this episode, but trying to make nutritional changes to facilitate the production of neurotransmitters and improve your mental health from a more holistic approach. And I remember reading this book a really long time ago. It's called Brain Lock, and I'll link it in today's show notes, but it talks about OCD and OCD recovery. And the way that they approach medication is they refer to medication as water wings. And the idea is that while medication can be really helpful for some people in their recovery to kind of get them out of that really low slump and help improve their mood enough so that they can do the work, it's just that, that you have to do the work. You have to participate in therapy, uncover those belief systems, dive into the lifestyle changes that will help improve your mood. And so I always get excited when hearing about new holistic changes you can make in your life to improve depression, improve anxiety, and that is exactly what Dr. Uma does. So this episode is just phenomenal. She goes into so much detail about exactly why changing your diet can improve your mental health. She talks about the science behind that and she talks about what you can eat in a day to support your mental health. She also talks about small diet changes you can make to improve depression, anxiety, chronic stress, and boost immunity, especially right now during COVID, different changes you can make to improve your immune system. So again, this episode is just so amazing. I was so excited to have her on the podcast. And I was so excited when I heard back from our team that she was open to sitting down with me. And I just cannot wait for you guys all to listen to this episode. So if you guys want to hear more from Dr. Uma after this episode, you can head to her Instagram at Dr. Uma Naidu, and I'll link that in today's show notes. And you can also head to her website, umanaidumd.com, and you can order for a book from there, learn all about her work. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. first question I had for you is hearing a little bit about your decision to go down the career path of nutritional psychiatry. It's a newer phenomenon. You don't see a ton of nutritional psychiatrists practicing. So I was wondering why you chose that track as opposed to a more traditional route of psychiatry. Partly um, because of my following my own interests and my, you know, uh, my passions in terms of what I really wanted to learn. I'm sort of a lifelong learner, Mm -hmm. but also because I felt that my my background really coming from a very large Hindu family and being raised with an approach of mindfulness, having a combination of allopathic medical doctors, as well as Ayurvedic practitioners, and always having a family that focused on food and love and nurturance. And of course, we were by no means perfect, but I think that those things are things that I carried forward in life. And I felt that when I uh, was learning about psychopharmacology, that there were very life-saving medications, but they also had some devastating side effects and that there needed to be tools in the toolkit around lifestyle measures. And for me, nutrition came easily. 
as something that people could could control on their own. So the decision to not only study traditional psychiatry, but really venture into learning nutrition and filling that gap, because there's a gap in medical school for most doctors, and then going to culinary school was really following my passion and really and, and wanting to learn more. Because I felt that mental health is stigmatized in this country as much as we are in many ways, light years ahead of other other countries, mm-hmm. it is still stigmatized. Yeah, I think that younger individuals and youth and, and teens are a very vulnerable population. So I really commend you for doing this podcast. Thank you. And I do think it's it there's stigma attached with reaching out for help. So for me, it came together around a language with which to open up a conversation with someone. People love talking about food generally and acknowledging that some people have difficulties with that. And when they do, we understand that and we work work around that. But it became a language and it became a, a tool as well to offer someone that was within their control compared to a prescription pad, which tends to not be in your control. You may be part of that decision, but it it can sometimes uh, feel different. So for me, that was really filling out a gap in terms of conversations with individuals around their mental well-being. I love that. So my next question is, how does this work? I've heard like various bits and pieces. We, a lot of our neurotransmitters are created in the gut and then they go back up to like all of that. But how mm-hmm. does it work that what mm-hmm. we're feeding our body with can actually impact mental health and brain function? Sure. So it starts off with really understanding in basic terms the gut-brain connection and the fact that the, the, the gut and the brain actually originate from the very same cells in the human body. And even though they are far apart in the body, they start from the same cells. So they are connected in that way. And then they are connected in life anatomically by the vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve running from the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. And I like to call that a two-way superhighway because it is bidirectional flow of messages all the time. And then I feel it's important for people to understand that We talk about serotonin and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, such as Prozac, otherwise called fluoxetine. But the serotonin receptors themselves, more than 90% are located in the gut. So when you put those few facts together, you understand that there's a way in which as our food is being digested, it's going to be in contact with these these with with the microbiome mm-hmm. and that becomes a huge part of the conversation it is it is one of the ways in which food is very impactful in a in a 24 hour period the microbes in our microbiome these are organisms there that are meant to really help help us physiologically biochemically through the substances that they form are there to work for us and when we eat well, they, they, are, they thrive and they work well. So they help our immunity. They help neurotransmitters. They help multiple different functions. It's not just mental health. They, they also help our general health. But when we eat, you know, make poor choices in food, the bad microbes thrive over the good microbes. And when they take over is when you really start to get things like inflammation or condition called dysbiosis, which is really talking about the gut and an imbalance of those gut microbes. And, and that is really often the beginning of problems that can lead to mental health worsening of symptoms 
or mental health difficulties, etc. So that's just a, an overview of how it works. And then my book goes into the details of the different microbes, the studies, the different neurotransmitters involved, etc. Got it. That's just crazy to think about because I've always thought about it somewhat just from the brain perspective, but a lot of it was like kind of changing how I talk to myself really from mm-hmm. that therapy perspective. Absolutely. But thinking about and that's it important. Also- Mm -hmm. But also thinking about it from a more holistic approach, not just Mm -hmm. medication, but also how you're fueling your body. That's amazing. So I try to incorporate a lot of tips and tricks that listeners can really implement. It's helpful Mm -hmm. to have these conversations and learn Mm -hmm. about these different things. But I love giving the skills that helped me to listeners. They can walk away and try things. So I was kind of wondering what are the foods that are helpful and then those to avoid for a couple of different things. The first one was depression. Mm -hmm. What foods do you know can help with someone who's experiencing depression, whether it's a small scale or in a clinical situation, and then what makes that worse? Absolutely. So, you know, starting out some of the foods that you really want to think about are omega-3 fatty acids, which are helpful. And people have heard that because people think think of it sometimes as a supplement. And, and, you know, some individuals do take a supplement, but you can also get these through whole healthy foods, such as well, you know, well obtained things like sockeye salmon, well sourced sockeye salmon and other fatty fish like mackerel or sardines, anchovies, things like that. And if you don't eat seafood, you can get omega-3s from plant-based sources such as chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, sea vegetables, and things like that. It's the shorter chain, but it's still one source of of omega-3s. And then it's important to include healthy fats in your diet, like olive oil, you know, nuts, nut butters, and avocado. Very, very good for our brain in terms of mood symptoms. There are spices like turmeric with a pinch of black pepper and saffron that you can add. And then tons of, you know, micronutrients like magnesium and zinc, as well as the vitamins, all the B vitamins are extremely helpful for mood. And, you know, you can obtain some of those through leafy greens as part of your salad. And, you know, when you make the recommendation to eat the rainbow, those are really good options for you because it's colorful food, fruit and vegetables that you're eating. And then paying attention to probiotic and prebiotic foods, as well as fermented foods. And I think it's really, really important. And that's why in my book, I, I go through long lists of foods to embrace because they are longer than foods to avoid. Because it's yeah. really important to know things that you shouldn't be eating because they might you might be eating them and not realizing. And, and mm-hmm. people think about you know, refined sugars and added sugars when they have a family history of diabetes, but actually studies have shown that these sugars worsen depression. So, you know, cutting back on sugar slowly is important to think about if you're struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. Artificial sweeteners also worsen depression. Certain types of, you know, un- the unhealthy fried foods and nitrates, which are usually an additive in some processed meats, can also worsen depression. So it's important to sort of know that balance of uh, the foods to avoid as well. It's really interesting. As you said that, what it really made me think of was kind of the binging cycle where you get into this spot, you kind of engage in that behavior, and then you have this major low as far as your mood. And I never thought that like what you're eating would be contributing to how you're feeling after that emotional low and it's just it makes so much sense and then I always just thought about it from an emotional perspective but that's just really interesting I, I agree with you Sadie and I think the other part you know is that 
one of the things that I qualify around nutritional psychiatry, you're asking, you had been asking great questions, is that, and I, your point is well taken, but I think when someone is struggling with the with sort of food as a substance itself and an mm-hmm. eating disorder, therapy and work around that goes a long way yeah. because they almost have to heal their relationship with food first because totally. before they can say, look, I really should be eating omega-3s mm-hmm. for my better better mood because it's yeah. almost like they have a real real aversion yeah aversion or you know an unhealthy relationship with food and and you know as much as it can be very difficult therapies do help that so going through that and then healing the relationship with food and then thinking now i'm going to just you know make sure that i put in all those mood mood boosting foods and things like that is mm-hmm. important so what about something like anxiety is that similar to depression as far as how you're fueling yourself or does that differ it differs slightly, and it differs because there are certain things that really help more with um, anxiety, and some of those things are things like fiber-rich foods, and fiber-rich foods really are, are obtained from, from plants, so vegetables, fruit, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, and healthy whole grains. And the issue about fiber-rich foods is that they, we, they really nurture the gut bacteria, the gut microbes, but also they bro- break down much more slowly in the body. So they're, compared to a person who goes out and eats a sugary donut, the, you know, something like broccoli or that has more fiber in it and is more of a natural whole food is going to break down more slowly. So you don't have those sugar highs and sugar lows or sugar crashes. And your, your insulin and blood sugar are on an even keel. And so long goes your emotional state. Um, That's one way to think about it. And then adding in those fermented foods become important, but also things like um, turmeric with a pinch of black pepper actually have been shown to help anxiety. Omega-3 fatty acids, again, help anxiety. Vitamin D-rich foods help anxiety. The B vitamins are important as well. And then there's some herbs that you can use to have like a really calming tea, something like chamomile can be very helpful, lavender, and those can actually be made made as teas to, to help calm down the system. And you're not going to be surprised to know that, you know, some of the things that drive anxiety are caffeine and people have a different tolerance for caffeine. So I always say pay attention to body intelligence because if you have caffeine and and you feel jittery and your heart is racing and you don't feel good, that's a sign that you need to be drinking less and you need to come off it slowly. So the recommendation is from the studies that um, that have been done is less than 400 milligrams a day of caffeine. And what does that look like as far as like, is that a cup of coffee? Is that like three? I have no idea what that is. Exactly. So so the 400 milligrams, actually, I break it down in the book with examples and approximately, but I hesitate to say this because it also depends on what the coffee is because some yeah. brews are much stronger. Instant coffee is different. It, you know, if it's a brewed coffee, it's about two cups. But again, what is a cup? A cup could be eight ounces technically if you're a baker. But, you know, in a different store, it could be the, the size. giant tumbler <laughs> exactly. people drink totally, totally. Exactly. So that's why I went with milligrams. And then mm-hmm. in the book, what I did is I, I think I, I had found examples of different espresso capsules or, you know, coffees that are used often just to give mm-hmm. people some guidance around that. But I think that if you don't know off the top, you know, how much you're having, pay attention to how your body is reacting to it. That's always a good sign when it comes to anxiety. 
Same yeah. thing with alcohol. You know, if if someone is thinking that alcohol is there to calm them down, the problem is that it can have almost a boomerang effect and worsen anxiety. So you want to be a little bit careful with that as well. And then gluten, gluten and artificial sweeteners have also been found to be problematic when it came to anxiety. With gluten, I don't ask people to exclude foods unless they have symptoms. And then based on that condition, I look at what, you know, the research is showing and gluten certainly had an association with anxiety. So something mm-hmm. to maybe think about cutting back on and then artificial sweeteners as well. Gotcha. This week's episode is sponsored by Teen Counseling. I cannot tell you guys how many DMs, texts, emails I get from teens, parents, even friends asking, how can I find a therapist? How can I enroll in therapy? How can I find a therapist for my teen? How do I tell my parents I want to go to therapy? That's why I'm partnering with Teen Counseling. Teen Counseling is an online therapy program with over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network. They offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, and more, and it's all targeted at teens. They offer text, talk, and video counseling. So no matter what level of support you're looking for, they got you. You're going to go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. You'll fill out a quick survey about what your goals are for therapy, whether that's improving your mental health during the pandemic, working on your relationship with your parents, improving self-esteem, whatever it is, they'll match you with therapists that fit your needs. You'll enter your information and your parents' information. Your parents will get a super discreet email saying your child is interested in working with a licensed therapist at teencounseling.com. They head to the website, learn a little bit more about the program and a preview to work with a therapist. And from there, you can meet that therapist on a frequency that works for you. This is a great way to dip your toe into the therapy world and get support when you need it without having to go into an office, meet with a therapist, meet with a stranger and go through all of that for the first time. So you can go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. Again, that's teencounseling.com slash she persisted to get started today. So if you take like your perfect day for you or just knowing about what nutrients help the brain the best and of course creating balance because none of us are perfect, what do those three meals kind of look like for you as far as feeding your brain for success? Sure. I think, you know, I think it's important firstly to, unless you're doing some type of a specialized diet in in the medical world, there are some newer things look being researched and looked at it's like intermittent fasting and you know that type of thing so if you're just a regular person eating regular mm-hmm. meals you know it's important to start off with a really good boost for your breakfast and I like to suggest if you eat dairy or if you don't eat dairy there are both dairy and non-dairy yogurts that are plain but have probiotics added or live active cultures and those are really good because they are nourishing and you can add you know fresh berries to them or frozen berries so blueberries super great for your brain eight antioxidants and then sprinkle of cinnamon so there's you know pretty filling breakfast i'm obviously not going to say the fruited yogurts because those have unfortunately a ton of sugar so much in them. sugar yeah even in a small cup, right? So that's a good one. Then my other trick is chia pudding, which, you know, as a student, so or when you're working from home, you can make a batch on the weekend and do them in little ramekins, you know, simple thing, good, good organic coconut milk and chia seeds, which are rich in protein and fiber, bringing back two nutrients that you need anyway, as well as a ton of other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you set them out. There's a specific measure you want to use because the chia seeds swell. And yeah. so you, you, you can't add too many for the amount of liquid and then set them out in ramekins. And then the morning, chop them up with different fruits, nuts, you know, chopped, add some chopped strawberries, add some blueberries on a different day, 
put in some on you know some hazelnuts if you like chocolate use the extra extra dark natural chocolate and cut a few chips and make it interesting so that's breakfast you know something like mm-hmm. that snacks i like to suggest things like you know something made with hummus so hummus and say celery sticks you know almond butter and carrot sticks so something or apple slices with you know some almond butter something that's that's a whole food that has healthy fats good nutrients for you that can keep you going and lunch i i favor you know, a really large, really large leafy green salad with as many colors as I can challenge myself mm-hmm. to put in, you know, sweet peppers, yellow pepper, all different colors, celery, you know, tons of leafy greens, and then a protein of your choice. So if you're plant-based, it could be chickpeas, it could be, you know, you know, steamed edamame, it could be lots of different things. And you can add in your seeds there for crunch. And, you know, if you if you have animal and seafood protein, that could be your side that you know could be salmon that you have with your salad. And then, you know, my favorite beverage is water. I, I just think it's the easiest. And yeah. I do like coffee. So I have a cup of coffee in the morning, but I've learned that I have to have a certain amount and, and you know, not too much after that, mm-hmm. if not. I've learned that myself for my for my own body. So I love I love having water the whole day. I have one of my, you know, glass, one of those ones that doesn't break easily because I'm a little mm-hmm. clumsy and I'm always <laughs> refilling it. So I'm always hydrating because dehydration can make you anxious and a low mm-hmm. blood sugar can make you more anxious. So having when you're anxious, having just regular small meals. Your, your, you know, three regular meals and little snacks and hydrating become really important. And then for dinner, it's, it, it, I, you know, I change that up. So it could be, you know, cauliflower steak and tons of veggies on the side. It could, I love using spices and spices bring back brain healthy uh, ingredients. So, you know, creating a interesting flavor to a cauliflower steak and then added, adding veggies or, you know, maybe it's someone in my family might have, you know, uh, some type of baked or uh, sautéed stir-fried chicken, you know, so there's lots of recipes in the book. The recipes are simple and intended to get you started with cooking and then match the different conditions. So for me, it, it, it dinner varies. Gotcha. But it usually has those components, you know, either healthy whole grain plus, you know, or I might have some of that at lunch and then making sure that I have tons of veggies. I, I think that those are good way to enrich your diet. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference in the way you approach your nutritional recommendations with adolescents and younger patients and then adults, or is it pretty much the same no matter the age? So, you know, I'm at work, I'm trained as an adult psychiatrist. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of these, because it's food we're talking about, and because unless you have an allergen intolerance, it's not difficult to make suggestions or to say to someone like yourself, you know, if you looked at a certain recommendation and you made sure that your doctor, your pediatrician knew, um, your primary care doctor, your pediatrician knew, it's fine to try it out. The reason I mentioned that your doctor should be involved is because there are healthy foods that interact with certain medications uh, and certain things. So grapefruit is one of them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a healthy fruit, but it can interact with certain um, medications in mental health as well as others. So just just always make sure that you know that. And in terms of amounts, it, the plan these days tends to be very personalized because the gut is so unique to each one of us, the gut microbiome. So the recommendations can translate, but it then has to be tailored for that individual based on someone someone having either discomfort even when they eat a healthy food but also maybe they don't like something so part of the role is how do we get them to eat more of more of a healthy Mm -hmm. food gotcha 
So my next question was something which is super prevalent in both adults and teens, which is just chronic stress. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering what foods you recommend to help with stress and which foods can really make that worse? Mm -hmm. So I sort of associate, you know, chronic stress states with, with sort of this overlap with anxiety states. And the way that you want to think about stress is that when our bodies are stressed, we tend to crave those sugary foods. We tend to crave those those foods that unfortunately end up with us and our sort of our brain chemicals getting into a cycle of the, the brain expecting more sugary treats once you've fed it that. And we almost have to we have to take a step back and figure out how are we going to manage this. And I think that working with stress, you can think about the foods that you embrace for anxiety as well. So that works. But the other thing is thinking about simple tricks. For example, at the beginning of the pandemic, processed food sales went sky high in the United States. Mm -hmm. And processed, ultra-processed foods with um, additives, stabilizers, colorants, dyes tend to worsen mental health symptoms. So... If that's what you have in your kitchen, you might want to rethink what you're stocking, what you have, you know, get more of those cut veggies and some hummus and some nice healthy snacks in the fridge because that's what you're going to reach for. That's one thing. And the other thing is to start to replace the the foods that, you know, are related to your maybe a little bit of emotional stress and you're reaching out for, you know, say the tub of ice cream with a healthy version because if that's in your fridge, you're going you're gonna to know it's there and you can, you can have that. So, you know, I'm a big fan of things like ice cream made from bananas. I have a recipe in my book and you can make a chocolate flavor. I'm not saying because it's made from bananas, you should eat all of it. But, you know, <laughs> it replaces the tub of ice cream and you're having yeah. a scoop or something like that. It's, it's trying to find those ways that you can deal with your stress in a healthier way. Mindfulness, use of apps, meditation, all of that is important. Exercise to reduce stress has been shown to be helpful. So all of that, it's, it's sort of not just one thing. It's a whole it's a whole sort of holistic and integrated plan. Totally. So my next question, we're in a pandemic, obviously. And so a lot of people are trying to find different ways to increase their immune function and kind of overall decrease that susceptibility to mm -hmm. contracting COVID. Mm -hmm. So what foods have you found that can increase your immune function, increase that immunity, which of course won't protect you, everyone wear a mask, but can help sure. you be more resistant to fighting diseases. So it's also important to understand that the microbiome come back, comes back into this conversation because a very large component of our immune system is in the gut. So what we eat becomes very important in that way, in addition to, like you mentioned, masks, hand washing, all the things that we've been guided to do. But, you know, things like red bell peppers have some of the highest levels of vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So citrus fruit have vitamin C, red bell peppers. When you're cooking, with, when you're cooking or making tea or you know a smoothie, or there are spices that help. Turmeric, black pepper, ginger, garlic, cayenne pepper, capsaicin from the cayenne pepper are all super immune um, boosting ingredients. And then you come back to your leafy greens and those nutrients that that are brought back, like by that as well. So vitamin C rich foods, vitamin D rich foods, and um, spices are, are usually my go-to for that. Gotcha. Okay, so my last question, which I like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast, is what is your advice for someone who's struggling with their mental health and really kind of at a loss of how to proceed, how to move forward? What would you say mm -hmm. to them? I would say that you're not alone. It may feel very lonely, and it may feel like you are the only person 
who knows your own pain. And that's probably true because no one else is going to know that, but that you are not alone and that you can reach out to someone. If you feel shame or feel discomfort to reach out to a friend or family member, there are hot, there are toll-free hotlines throughout the country that many of which operate 24-7. Emergency rooms are open 24-7, even in times of COVID. And our hospitals, certainly the ones I work with, I know everyone is being very careful about COVID versus non-COVID areas. So don't be afraid to go and get yourself help and 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 reach out, you know, reach out to a parent, a friend, a family member, because it can be very lonely and in an era where so much is driven by social media and and emotions can be driven by that always just just try to reach out to someone so that you don't feel alone because i'm sure that person will try to get you the help you need yeah well thank you so much for joining me on she persisted i'm so glad we got to sit down there was just so much information here that just is amazing i can't wait to try some of these recipes during the week when this episode comes out where can listeners find you if they want to want to keep up with your work Great. Thank you. So follow me on social media, which is at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O, which is at Dr. Uma Naidu. And please subscribe to my website where we give out information all the time and a newsletter at least once a week. And also we let you know what's going on in in the different activities that I'm involved in that you might be interested in. And that's umanaidumd.com. So you, you subscribe and then you start getting all our stuff. Awesome. So all that will be in today's description. And yeah, thank you again. I'm so glad we got to sit down and it's just amazing conversation with so many great tips. So I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's, of it's course, impressive. Of course. Of course.